Hey guys, Paul Reddick here. Welcome to the Baseball Dads Podcast. The world of baseball and the youth and especially the high school game is changing so rapidly. These rapid changes are bringing about a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration for today's parents that are trying to bring their son up in the game. So the purpose of this podcast is to use the experience of dads who have already gone through this journey and have navigated it successfully so we could take aim at that confusion and frustration and knock it out. We're going to talk to these dads about what they did right, about what they did wrong, what they would do more of, what they would do less of, and they're going to give you their advice for today's parents that are going through this game. So stay tuned for today's podcast. And make sure you go to BaseballDadsNewsletter.com where you can get a free trial in our monthly Baseball Dads Newsletter. So without any further delay, let's get on to today's show. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Baseball Dads Podcast. And in this edition, we're going to kind of take uh, a break from talking to dads. And we're going to talk to uh, a man who is running a program that uh, I got to investigate a little bit online. I got to hear from one of his dads on a recent uh, podcast that we did so Trent Reynolds is running a program um, called Trent Reynolds Baseball, but uh, this is something that has really uh, just piqued my interest. I mean, if you want to uh, see that, that a baseball program can be run the right way with a focus on the right things um, and a focus on values and creating the great husbands, fathers, and leaders of tomorrow – Trent is doing a fantastic job of doing that, and that's why I invited him on the podcast today, because I want to dig a little deeper, and I'll be honest, in full disclosure here, uh, I'm, I'm partially doing this out of selfish uh, reasons. I really wanted to hear from this guy, hear what he had to say, and I think we're all going to benefit from it. So, Trent, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for making the time for us today. Thanks for having me on, Paul. I appreciate it. So, this is not normal. Your program is not normal. You are you're running. You you are uh, by all baseball accounts. You guys are weird, right? So you're not running the typical uh, tournament. Uh, you know, win championships, win plastic rings, win games, track batting averages, track home runs, track statistics. You are doing something radically different in your uh, facility and with your program. And I think you're enjoying the success of that, uh, as you should deserve. How did this come all about? How, how did you, and when did you make the decide to, to create this program that is so unique? Yeah, so uh, when I was playing baseball, all I wanted to do was play college baseball, and there really, there really wasn't a, a an easy avenue that that allowed for that, and there wasn't a an option to say, hey, this is the route to go. You know, there was a lot of there were some programs that you know, hey, well, we have people that we've gotten into college, but there wasn't a simple this is what we're going to do. And so I know when I was playing, I wanted to play college baseball. It was my whole motivating factor. And I got the opportunity to do so, but it wasn't necessarily through a select program. It was because I got noticed um, on an MVP list and, you know, ended up going to college and not committing till August of that year. So I went and did that. I went and played college baseball. It was a great experience. Loved every minute of it. But uh, when it was time to move on, um, I, you know, baseball is something I've loved since I was three years old, and I just wanted to continue doing that. And so I looked at starting a program. Um, well, as we looked at starting the program, I, I looked at what was out there when I was doing it, and through talking to my father-in-law, who had a kid that was a freshman at the time, and hearing his experience of the typical select world, you know, just he wasn't a baseball guy, and so he just came from a just a very logical standpoint, and he kept questioning things. And one of his main questions always was, if I'm paying to get my son better, why am I getting the typical high school experience? I'm I'm here to get my son improvement and 
all I'm getting is, well, this is like high school. He's got to perform better. He's like, well, that's the whole reason I'm I'm here is to get him better. And so just through just a, a series of questions, about, it got me thinking that, you know, the system that is currently set up isn't ideal. Um, so we, we started something different where we really focused on player development. And we're, it was all about helping each player individually reach their goals. And initially it was to help them get to college. Well, after getting our first couple of players into college um, and then seeing them go off and, you know, decide that wasn't for them or fail or just move on to something else, I, I realized that, man, if our whole goal is a company exists to help players reach their goal of playing college baseball, man, we are missing so much. Because I noticed that a lot of them didn't play in college because they didn't really want to. They didn't have the desire to, to go live that life of, of living a life of baseball. Um, or they just, you know, they just didn't have the desire to continue on beyond that. And I realized, man, there's got to be something more that we can do here. And so a couple of years ago, uh, we had already really placed characters a high priority, but a couple of years ago we put that at the forefront. I realized that we have an opportunity with baseball to teach to teach young men how to become the young men that are going to be good husbands, good fathers as they get older, and we have a tool, which is baseball, that, that we can teach that through to them. They'll listen because they really want to get better at baseball. And so what we did is we started to look at it as, okay, you know what, every kid may play high school baseball. Every kid may quit after he's 12. Some kids will go on to play college baseball. But either way, at some point, their baseball journey is going to end. And we wanted to make sure that they have learned something that is of value and is transferable beyond, hey, I'm a good baseball player. And as, as I look back and I, I remembered all the guys that I played college ball with, and some of them were really good baseball players, but they were just not good people. And their skills in the, in the workforce didn't transfer because they didn't, they didn't know how to interact with other people. They didn't know how to be a good teammate. They didn't know how to be a good person. Once baseball was done, they kind of were done. And I realized, you know what, college baseball as a, as a reason to exist can't be what we're about. And so not only were we different from the start, that we were never about championships and trophies and the things that you throw away when you get older, we've even changed even more so that, man, it's not even about really, like, baseball. Like, that's what we're using baseball as a way to teach something that's of more value than even as much as I love baseball. It's just not the end-all, be-all. Right. You know, it's so funny that you bring that up because what I've experienced throughout the years is that guys who are all baseball all the time, the toughest thing I've seen them struggle with is making friends and getting to know people that are different than they are. Because in baseball, you don't have to be good at making friends. You know, your friends are delivered to you every March. You know, you're delivered 15, 16 friends every March and in summer and in the fall, and it's kind of like becomes this, well, we're on the same team, we have these things in common, and this becomes our bond. And then once we get out of that, and there has to be kind of this social aspect. I've seen players really struggle in relationships, and like you said, in jobs and careers, of trying, you know, because they've never had to learn how to, uh, make friends or be personal or present themselves in, in a way, and that there is this kind of like this this lacking skill that, yeah, maybe they won a bunch of baseball games that played in college, but, boy, we didn't deliver them out into the real world with some of the skills they need, you know, to, to survive beyond the game. So I, I completely identify with, with, with that and, and understand it. Tell us about some of the ways that you look at things differently. I know you track uh, – you know, uh, hitting stats differently. What What are some of the ways along with that that you kind of uh, take a different approach to get them to focus on the right things? So one of our biggest things is we we realize that, you know, baseball has some natural built-in life lessons. And a lot of times you can learn them 
but they're they're not necessarily overt, and it's it's really better for someone to kind of point them out along the way. And so one of the ones that's you know definitely built in is that you have to work hard for what you want, because um, as you know, the further you go up in the levels of baseball, if you don't continue to work hard, you're not going to cont- consistently earn playing time. Talent only gets you so far, and everyone starts to catch up eventually. And so we always hit on that, you know, with whatever we're doing. That hey, the reason we're working hard is because you gotta you gotta put effort towards what you want. And so we're, we're using little life lessons like that. The other the other one being that, uh, you know, if you if you didn't if you weren't prepared, you didn't do the things you needed to prepare, and you didn't perform, you can see a correlation between that. One of the other big things that we really stress, and, and that goes along with our hitting, is you need to focus on what you can control. There's a lot of things in baseball, just like in life, that you don't have control over, that you might have some influence over, but ultimately, if you allow your feelings and how you how you act and respond and how you how you perform to be dictated by things out of your control, then you're gonna leave you're gonna lead a life that's not as as rewarding as you would want it to be. And so, you know, we we stress things like that. So our the way we do it and determine our lineup, um, it's based on a point system we've come up with. And it, the, the way to score high in our system, it's a five-point scale, is to be aggressive and hit the ball hard, hit, hit a hittable pitch hard. And so the, the best you can do is the first hittable pitch you get, hit it hard in a fair territory. Ground ball, line drive, pop-up, doesn't matter. If it was hit hard and it was a good aggressive cut, that's a five. And we don't punish for things such as, um, you know, swinging at a pitch that maybe wasn't a strike, but you hit it hard. Hey, at the end of the day, that's your goal. Hit the baseball hard. Um, and we also, you know, remove the focus of, of the strike zone out of the equation. It's not about the strike zone because ultimately the strike zone isn't the same every time. It changes from game to game based on the umpire, from inning to inning based on how he's feeling, and sometimes from pitch to pitch. What was a ball to pitch before is now a strike. And so if you try to go up there and focus on things you don't control, namely the umpire's judgment, then that's when you get guys that are frustrated because they get to the point where, like, man, that wasn't a strike. Well, it, you know, it doesn't matter. That's not in your control. Don't focus on that. Focus on what you do control. Could you have hit the ball hard? Yes or no? Yes, I could have. That's all that matters. And so we, were, we, we get them to get to that point where they're really focusing on what they control, and, then, and the field is the same thing. And if you're pitching and a guy made an error behind you, do you control that? No. Okay. Don't worry about it. Control what you do. And that's the thing when you, when, you, when you start to really hone in on that and they really start to see that and they really start to get it, they stop getting so frustrated about striking out when they, you know, when, they, when it was a pitch that was a foot outside, they stopped to get so frustrated about hitting a ball hard and going 0 for 4. I mean, batting average, honestly, is the worst thing to ever judge anything by. Because you can have a great day and hit four line drives right at people and go 0 for 4, and you can have a terrible day and just dink the ball right where no one's at and go 4 for 4. And if you just look at the outcome, which you don't have control over, and you use that to det- determine how you feel and whether you were successful or not, that's just not a good way to judge things. And so, just like in life, man, you could do all the right things, and it just happens to be that your boss doesn't like you. That's not in your control. You know, you just don't happen to know the right people, or whatever the case may be. And so, when, when they have learned that I'm going to grow up and I'm going to focus on the things that I can control, it just puts them ahead of so many others. And you don't have this thing where they blame other people for their shortcomings, because that's not helpful. So, here's the question I have. So, I, I, I'm... I'm like you, man. I, I look at things, and I, I feel like I look at them in a way that, you know, this makes sense, and it makes such perfect sense. Why, why can't everyone else see it like that? You know, I, and is it just me that sees it this way, or, or um, you know, or is that is our job to kind of change minds, right? So when we do programs, and, and we did a program called Truth About Hitting, which is all about uh, getting a good pitch to hit, 
uh, not just, you know, swinging, swing, 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 and as a longer story. But it's one of those things where uh, um, everybody nods, you know. So I can picture you saying this at, like, the National Coaches Convention, and every coach in the audience nodding. But now here comes the part where I want to ask you how to handle it. Now you're implementing this system. And the first time you implement the system, there's got to be pushback. There's got to be a kid who's keeping his batting average. There's got to be a dad who, I don't know, you know, doesn't like the kid who hit a line drive but right at the shortstop. Has there been pushback? And if so, how do you handle that? Oh, there's, there's definitely been pushback because, honestly, what we're doing is such a culture change. And, and part of that is yeah. everything almost that we do is a culture change. Um, you know, we're, we're from the, what we do is we have a parent meeting at the beginning of every season. We just kind of lay out the expectations of, of here's what we are, here's what we do, here's why, here's what you can expect. Um, and, of course, everyone nods at the, at the beginning of the meeting. And then, you know, there's a couple people that it's, it's just so refreshing to them. And, and part of that is, is we naturally attract people that are looking for what we offer, that kind of think outside the box and kind of want something different because what's out there just isn't ideal and it isn't it isn't the most efficient way to go about it um but when we do get a couple people in that that you know there are kind of stuck in the old baseball ways it does lead to problems where they're they're like hey you know my son's batting eighth but he's got the second highest on base percentage and it's like well yes he does that's because we're playing 12u baseball and no one can throw a strike consistently so if he never swings of course he has high on base percentage but he also hasn't hit a ball over anybody's head and we're trying to focus on things that are going to help them be successful when they get to the next level. And ultimately, when you get to high school, you need to be able to hit the ball hard or you're not going to play. And so we try to always go about it when we do get pushback with a logical route because, honestly, the things that we do are grounded in reason. And they're also not like just something that, hey, this is how we do it. We're never going to look at it differently. We've adjusted and changed every single season and evolved because, ultimately, if something's not effective, let's do something that's more effective. And, and one, a, a good example of that is we used to do equal playing time for everybody. It didn't matter what you did. Everyone's going to get the same amount of innings. Everyone's going to sit the same amount. And what I noticed is I looked up and I go, man, this isn't working as well because there's, a, there's some guys that are doing their part. They really want this. They're going to do whatever they need to. But there's other guys that aren't working hard, and there's no natural repercussion for not working hard. And you make a ton of errors, and next thing you know, and you've got a couple guys that are dragging the team down because they don't really want to work hard. And it doesn't matter if they don't work hard because they're going to play anyway. And so we evolved to the point where we give equal opportunity to earn equal playing time. But you do have to earn it based on your work ethic and working on the things that you improve. And so the point with that is we evolve every single every single season. You know, we always take a, a review and look back. And, and what we've noticed is that by doing that and because we're constantly open to communication, if someone does have legitimate pushback, then we can talk about that and we can make adjustments. And a lot of times when, when, when people are logical and they look at things from the aspect of, okay, here's why we do what we're doing. You may not agree with it, but you can at least understand it. Right, right. And I think people do realize when things are fair. You know, I think there are, there's, a, there's a rational part of every person that, okay, maybe I don't agree with it, but it is fair. And, you know, you can, you know, I think most people do understand that. Let me ask you this. When you started the program, were you – uh, was it always this way, or were you kind of like the older way and made a shift, or, or a more traditional way and made a shift? Well, actually, when we started the program, it wasn't about teams at all. It was I was just purely a hitting instructor, and the shift was from the old school line of thinking, which is swing down, swing level, and you know hit hard ground balls, low line drives. To well, what happened to me is I don't know if you've heard of me, but Mike Epstein, uh, my the team I played for, got a hold of his DVDs and started started teaching us how to 
how to hit rotationally, which sure, I was actually a ghostwriter. You know, uh, his, his book, Mike Epstein on hitting, I was actually the ghostwriter. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, that book yeah. honestly changed my life. Um, if it wasn't for that oh, book, wow. I wouldn't right. have played college baseball. I I wouldn't be where I'm at today because I was always a typical make contact guy. You know, I thought myself as a good hitter, but I, I never hit for power. Well, after learning that core concept of using your lower body to engage your swing and getting on plane with the pitch, um, I went from, you know, not playing my junior year to uh, leading my team in every offensive category except for home runs my senior year. Um, and I was a small guy. I was five foot eight, 165, 160 pounds. Um, so anyways, with, with those concepts, when I, when I left college or when I was getting out of college, I started giving hitting instruction. And I just I noticed that the amount of hitting instruction out there was just so limited in our area that was teaching the, the proper way to go about doing things, or at least the most efficient way. Um, and so we started as a hitting instruction company, and we're, we're able to make quick changes, guys. The, the better players we got, the quicker changes we were able to make. And uh, I don't know if you, you know, with the, with the instructions route you went, but generally people don't come to you until they feel some sort of pain. There's some sort of sure. something that says, man, I, I don't like the results I'm getting. Let me go see something else. And so we generally don't, didn't, at least at the beginning, we didn't get the really good players because the really good players are having what they consider success. And so, you know, while they could be hitting better, they don't see that. So we get the guys that are, are not as good and, 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 you know, or have some really extreme fundamental flaws, and we, we had to fix them. And anyways, what we started to notice through doing that is that they would come to us, they would have a great experience, they would learn how to hit the ball, and then as soon as they'd get back in any sort of team environment, same old thing. Stop swinging up, don't swing hard, hit the ball on the ground, you know, choke up with two strikes, all these other cues that go along with it, and it would just limit them. And I was like, you know what, there's got to be a better way to do this. And I said that we can form our own team, and we can allow guys to just learn how to hit like they're supposed to. Because ultimately for me, it's never been about becoming a really good high school player. It's always been about reaching your goal of playing college baseball, if that's what you want, which means that at the next level, they are not looking for guys that hit ground balls and get base hits. They're looking for guys that have pop and have power. That's simple. You go to a game, you don't care if the, who, who's winning or who's losing or any of that. You're just looking for guys that you think can help your team win, and you're looking for something that stands out. And so <clears throat> through doing that, that's kind of the, the way we got about to, to doing teams the way we did. And it, it, just, it was that shift in philosophy of just learning that, man, we're going to take what this is, this old dated concept of the way hitting's done, and obviously it's not the most efficient way to go about it, and we're going to start to teach guys to do what professional hitters are doing. And, and honestly, since, since those days, we, we've learned quite a bit, and there's been a lot more, you know, knowledge uh, given, and, and there's so much more available on the Internet now than there was back when I started doing this in 2008, 2009. I mean, now, honestly, if you're still teaching guys to swing down at the baseball, you just simply aren't researching at all. You're just not watching baseball, and you're not using what's available to you. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you when, when we started talking about it too, this is back in, gosh, 2000, 2001, whenever that book came out. Um, I would start talking about some of the concepts that Mike and Ted Williams were, were talking about. And, um, yeah, people look at you like you got 10 heads, you know, and I'll tell you why. So part of my job was to like really research and dig and dig and dig. And I'll tell you where the ground ball philosophy came, came out of was Little League. Because if you hit, if, if, if you threw up 27 hitters in a little league game or six, you know, uh, six innings, so you threw up 18 hitters and all 18 of them hit ground balls, you're going to win games. Because kids can't feel the ground ball, get to a ground ball, feel that, make an accurate throw in the first base and catch them 18 times. If they throw them away, 
they miss them. You know, the, the fielder could do great and throw the ball 10 feet over the first baseman's head. They could throw it great in the first baseman, drop it. They could bobble it. And that was the philosophy. That's where that came from. Was that, and it's, that honestly, was it's, it's, it's extended where it, it still works in high school today, honestly. Yeah, you know, you're gonna go. You're, sure you're gonna you're gonna win a 4-2 ball game because every, you know if you got a good pitcher, all you got to do is scratch past a couple runs, and if you hit the ball on the ground long enough, someone's gonna make a mistake. And, and what's funny too is always being pitching coaches that you hear you will hear pitchers you know you tell pitchers say you get roll ground ball, roll ground ball, and the pitchers will say I don't want to roll ground balls because if I roll ground balls, I don't got the guys behind me. You know, I roll four, four ground balls. I'm not guaranteed, you know, four outs. I'm not even guaranteed one or two outs. You know, if I roll four, four ground balls, it's probably going to be first and second, nobody out. You know, and and you know that, that, those types of situations. So um, I totally get it. But the coaches who are listening here, that and and I, you said something that I wanted that I wanted to, just to point out before we get too far away. The coaches who are listening that say, "Boy, I'd love to run a program like Francis running." Um, and, you know, but but my program is one way now, the more traditional way. But he said something very important. He said you will attract those types of people to you to your program. You can make this switch. You can uh, you can make a switch like this. And yeah, maybe you're going to lose some of the players that are gung ho and, and overly um, excited or overly intense, and, and you know. But you will attract, I think, a better type of player, parent, and and uh, and client to your program or to your teams, because um, I saw that too in my pitching program when I was when I used to run our year-round pitching group. We were all referral for the past couple of years, and I had people that they do the deal, they do everything, they knew what I was about, and they were kind of coming in for that. You know, they were it, it, towards the end. It was kind of like they weren't coming to me as much for pitching as they were for kind of all the other stuff. You know, we were getting good parents. So I just wanted to point that out. Let me ask you this. What, What's the best thing you've done? If you could point to one thing and say, that's, that's the best thing we did or the best thing that we're doing that really makes this program good. I would say we care about people. We actually care about the kids we have in our program. They're, they're not a paycheck to us. They're not a number. We genuinely care that each kid improves and has the experience they're supposed to do, even so much so that uh, at times, man, I'll counsel kids to quit baseball, you know, uh, I'll, we we have conversations not about what's going to be best for us, but what's best for you. And so, you know, when, when they when we have conversations during the year, kind of talking about the progress, that's really what we'll do is we just hey, this is where we see you're at. This is what we see that you're doing. Here's what you need to do to get to the next level. Is that what you want to do? Um, and you know that that's part of it is just you care for people. And uh, same thing with the parents, man. We genuinely want a partnership with parents. It's not about hey, you're just going to do what we say and leave it at that. Now, we, we do want some separation, you know, especially when we're coaching. It's like, hey, let us coach your kids. But ultimately, if you have questions, talk to your kids first because we are very clear about explaining to the kids our thought process, what we see, what they need to work on. But other than that, it's just it's about caring for people. And if, if you care for people, you're going to get much better results. And so that would be the one thing that if you're going to do anything, whatever it is, even if you're going to teach kids to swing down to baseball, just care about them. And then at that point, I'd argue that if, if, you, if you care about them, you see, man, this isn't really going to help him hit his goal, so maybe I should teach him to do something different. But the, the point is, if you just care for people, that, that leads to the point where um, we don't have a high turnover rate because of that, because people know that we genuinely do care. Yeah. And I'm telling you, just, again, if people are listening, take my word for it. There, there are a whole lot more people that would go into a program like this 
then are looking for the next plastic ring or the next tournament trophy. Um, they just are there. So I asked them what's the best thing. What's the thing you would do differently? Uh, the thing that I would do differently is um, from the start, we would have really focused on being competitive. Because ultimately, you can do what we're doing about be about development within a competitive framework. And so, or, you know, flip that around, be competitive within a developmental framework. I would have started from that at the very beginning and just really focused on, hey, we're going to focus on making kids better, but we're going to have a standard that kids are going to have to put forth as far as effort goes, as far as performance goes, that, that ultimately, you know, <clears throat> the more competitive you are in the field, the more that it attracts people because, I mean, as much as people say that they don't care about winning, it's very few and far between that people don't care about winning. And the more that you are able to just be competitive, and honestly, if you attract the right talent, it's really easy to do. Um, so if you just start from that that aspect, instead of okay, hey, we're gonna we're just gonna just you know everyone we want to help everybody, but within that framework, just make sure that the guys that you're wanting to help really want to put the work in that's required to get to that that level. And so I would have started from that from the very beginning, of just you know realizing, hey, man, as much as I know that I can help this kid. He's got a lot of ground to cover, and this is the work it's going to take to cover this ground. I need to really find out if he's willing to put that effort in. And there needs to be some checks and balances in there for if he's not willing to put the effort in required, that it's not affecting the bottom line of how the others are performing. Right. And I think that's important, too. I, I, I still talk to a lot of coaches, and they're kind of like, you know, how do I get kids to work hard? How do I get them to have the, you know, they don't have the work ethic. They don't put in the time. They don't do this. No, I would say not exactly your word, but similar to have you set an expectation? Have you set a standard? Have you talked to them about what it really takes? Because what happens is a lot of kids, I'll, I'll always say, like, if you have, if you have, you know, 20 high school players and you say, don't you all want to get a division scholarship? Everybody says, yeah. Nobody doesn't want to get one. Right? <laughs> but, but, but then, but then we start talking, then, then once you go into what it takes to do that, and you get fewer nods. You, you know, you get fewer people that are willing to do that, and, and for whatever reason. I mean, they just have other interests or, or whatever, and they just want to be kids and, um, and take girls and stuff like that. You know, but, but you know, and, and I often think that do we do we really set that? Do kids really understand what it takes? Do we really have a standard for that um, uh, going forward? But I think that, that is crucially important. And if, if anything, it just saves everybody a lot of time. You know, it saves people time on, do I really want to do this? Or maybe I just want to be, you know, just have a good high school career, and that's just all I want to do. Or maybe I want to go do music. Maybe I want to do something. Maybe I have other interests than, you know, that maybe doesn't align uh, with that. Um, and also, too, I think it saves people time without wondering. You know, if you want to do it, they can commit to it and get started and, and, and really understand what it takes to, to get to that next level. Let, let me ask you this. You deal with a lot of parents. What message do you have for parents? The main message we have for parents is, oh, man, and that is a big one, is you you need to realize that you're going to have a relationship with your kid the rest of your life. Don't let sports into it in a negative way. You don't need to make him better. You don't need to make sure he doesn't suffer, you know, loss. You don't need to make sure he doesn't make that error. uh, I don't think parents realize how much of a negative influence they can have at games and on car rides home. Well-intentioned. To make you know, they just want to help their kids succeed. But I mean, I've seen it time and time again. I mean, the kid just does not like it when his dad or his mom is at the game, and it's because they're constantly telling him, "Hey, do this. Hey, do that. Hey, remember that." 
and <clears throat> I think parents fail to realize, man, you're, you're, you're in a public environment. They're around peers. They're already nervous. And you're basically yelling at them and correcting them from the stands, and it's embarrassing. And it's just kids will generally never say anything about it, and they might not even realize it, but it just it, it forms something unconsciously. That they, you know, they start to establish the fact that their performance is connected to their parents' love, and if they don't perform well, they're not going to get love. And, you know, that's where the car ride home comes in. If we're always talking about the mistakes they made and the things that they need to fix, not only can they not do anything about it right then, because the game's over, they're in a car, there's no fixing whatever you're talking about, which is supremely frustrating to be presented with mistakes and not be able to do anything about it. On top of that, they already know all this stuff. They've already been told all this stuff by their coaches, potentially by their peers. They might be the hardest ones on themselves, and now they've got their parent telling them what they need to fix, and it just establishes this, this friction and this disconnect that you don't want. And I can't tell you how many kids that I've seen that are really, really good baseball players because their dad really pushed them, and they hate their dad. When it's all said and done, and this relationship is strained, or maybe they don't hate them, but this, it's just strained, and, and that's just ultimately for parents, that's not what you want. You want to make sure that your kids know that they are loved unconditionally, and their performance has nothing to do with how you feel about them. Now, of course, there's times that you know they're going to be disappointed in their effort level, or they didn't like how they responded to failure, or different things like that. But you know, that's more of a character type stuff versus a baseball skill stuff, or a football and or basketball. I mean, it really doesn't matter what sport it is. You just never want kids attaching how they perform to how they're loved. And so if a parent, the biggest thing is just love your kids and, you know, after games, shut up. Tell them I love to see you play. That's it. I love watching you play. Leave it at that. Yeah. Leave the fixing to them. Leave the fixing to the coaches. Have a conversation with them when you go to work on it the next day if that's what you're doing. Hey, let's work on this. But just don't allow your relationship to be ruined because you're trying to help yeah, and I'll, I'll refer uh, for for you, Trent, and for the people listening to go back and listen to the podcast we did with Dr. Alan Ogles. He he's got the best formula. When his kid gets in the car, he basically says, uh, I, "I love you. I love watching you play, and I love that you play." And then he says, "The next word is theirs." And if they want to talk about the game, they'll talk about the game. If they want to talk about going to uh, Pizza Hut, they'll talk about going to Pizza. Like, and that's, that's all he says. And, uh, we've had a lot of dads that have adopted that since that podcast and it's had some, some pretty amazing results. So, Trent, I, I, first of all, I'm in, I'm in such admiration of what you do. Uh, I think it's great. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by the approach. I love that you've had the, the courage to really, uh, build something the, the, the way it should be in a world that is definitely, um, you, you know, there's a lot pulling in that other direction. So I, I admire that. So the people who are listening, tell us how to get in touch with you, website, any other information that you can. If there's people that want to come to you for instruction or maybe be a part of your program, how can they do that? So you can visit us at trpdbaseball.com. That's Trent Reynolds Player Development Baseball.com. Um, or you can email me. It's, it's really simple. It's Trent at trpdbaseball.com. Um, and I'd like to leave you with one more thought. And for any of those that are Absolutely. looking to get involved with a program like this or any that are trying to start a program similar to this with the focus on character, and, and I mean that, that goes with our, our, our phrase, which is, you know, we came up with adopted this last year. Character is for a, a, a lifetime. Baseball's for a season. Um, That's great. Focus is, that. is if you just if you do things the right way, you will be able to make this work. And so our, our turnover rate is very low, which especially considering how, some of our teams, if you looked at their win-loss record, you'd be amazed at it. 
Um, some of our yeah. teams don't perform as well as they're capable of because, you know, ultimately when you're given guys chances that other, other organizations would just stick the same shortstop out there every time, you're going to lose some games you could have won. And honestly, if you just, if you set things up the right way and you focus on the right things, you can make it work. And man, I, I would say that out of the programs in the area, we have one of the lowest turnover rates. And it's not because we have a bunch of championships to show for it or a bunch of wins to show for it. It's just because we do what we say we're going to. And there are people that are seeking that and want that. That's me. And it's, and it's so true. I, I can't echo that enough. Um, to the people that are listening to coaches' programs, you will have more people that you can handle if you go in the direction that Trent has kind of outlined here versus like, hey, we just won the last 16 tournaments we were in and, and we're taking 15 trips. Uh, trust me, there are many more people that want a quality program with good people that are going to train their kids. Uh, not only in baseball, but for life, much more than there are in that tournament. I know the tournament guys get a lot of attention, make a lot of noise, they suck up a lot of oxygen, but uh, I just know. I, just, I, I feel like we have a handle better than anyone on what's out there. And, um, and Trent, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. For people that are interested in contacting him, go ahead, check out his website, send him an email. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough for being on Thanks for having me on, Paul. I really appreciate it. And good luck, good luck with uh, continuing to spread the good news. And I mean, I, I, before I came on, I took a look at your website, and it was it was refreshing to see somebody out there with the the same focus of man. It's just it's not about just baseball. There's there's so much more to it. And so thank you for for being out there and doing what you're doing. Hey guys, it's Paul again. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We really hope you got a lot out of it. We have so much more to come for you. And thank you so much for trusting us with your baseball education and also the development with your child. It's something that we take very seriously and really means the world to me and the rest of the staff here at Paul Rudd Baseball and Baseball Dads Podcast. So thank you so much. We would love it if you would leave a five-star rating and a great review of this podcast. That's how it helps us get the word out about the podcast so that other dads can share in this information that we need so much. Also, don't forget to go to Baseball Dads Newsletter where you can get a free trial subscription in our Baseball Dads Newsletter. Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I can't tell you what it means to us that you would tune in, and we're just loving bringing this information to you. So, again, thank you so much, and we'll see you on the next show. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I wanted to let you know I have a new book out specifically for Baseball Dads, and I would love for you to check it out. You can go to BaseballDadsBook.com. All the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So again, it's BaseballDadsBook.com. Thanks.